I feel like I have to burp. I don't know what's happening. Oh, you know, if you have to burp, burp. <sighs> Here it comes. I mean. It, it's not coming like, out. Okay, so you breathe in. <laughs> you know, it's not, I, it's can't not burp. I can't okay. do that. <laughs> Are you right. sure you can? All right. Burp? All right. Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. And we're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. Welcome into Grapple Talk. My name is Nick Ragnar, joined by Jesse Von Rudin, and uh, another early morning. Cheers, fella. Yeah, you know, this one is uh, a little bit different than last week. You know, last week it was cold. Today... At least three to four inches of snow. Yeah, it is totally different. I don't have to work today. You have to work today. So I I'm, do. Wor- I'm in my sweats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a doctor's appointment later today. Oh. Yeah, I do. And Yearly uh, physical type of thing? Or? Yes, actually. Wow. A yearly physical. It is going to be the first time that I have went to the doctor in like a decade. So and you I'm have- really nervous because okay. I have no idea what to expect. So, Nick, you haven't been to a doctor since you've been in high school. Yes. Actually, yeah, that's absolutely true. I haven't really? been to a doctor... The last time I was at a doctor was for that, like, sports physical that you had to get taken care of before you could, you know, shoot some hoops for the school or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know what to expect, but I'm I'm engaged to a nurse. So okay. that's kind of one of the reasons why. If I wasn't, if she wasn't in my life, I probably would not go to the doctor. Wait, 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 wait. So the nurse is not going to give you the physical? No, she's not. I mean, she gives me some physicals every Friday night, if you know what I'm saying. Ah, but, no, seriously, I have to really go to the doctor. There's things that I probably should check out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Like, did you like? Hopefully, you didn't find anything like you know that uh, was alarming. Well, they took my labs on uh, Saturday. You know, they the, whoop, the little uh, yeah, yeah, you know, the blood take, test. Take, take the blood test. My cholesterol is kind of like average, so that's good because I thought I was going to be uh, knocking on, not not knocking on uh, cholesterol's door. Cholesterol's yeah. door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because I eat like a piece of shit, but uh, no, that looks fine. Um, you know, I, I know that I have elevated blood pressure already, mm-hmm. kind of runs in the family a little bit. Okay. Uh, so that'll probably be something that we'll discuss at there. And then, you know, like honestly, a couple of years ago when I was working for the news station, I was over covering a big, um, it's like a tire fire or something. I can't remember what it was, but I was, was that uh, the one that was kind of like off, off on like the island. Yeah. In a little yeah. Industrial and park, I was, yeah. and I was, and I covered it all day, dude. Like I was there from like, mm-hmm. Three in the morning until like three p.m. Like it was like a just this wow. Ro- yeah, it was it was terrible. That's a long day. And it was hot. It was gross. But um, I'm out. I'm out there, mm-hmm. and there's like green smoke behind me. Okay. And I'm like maybe maybe like fifty yards away from this fire, and I'm in I'm in front of the camera going, yeah, you know, there's a shelter in place, which means it's really dangerous for people to be outside in this kind of general area and i'm just sitting there just breathing in all this green smoke and honestly ever since then i just i don't know what it is but i think i have a problem with my lungs i don't know what it is so you weren't wearing one of those uh i wasn't wearing one of those apparatus i wasn't wearing one of those so we're going to discuss that peeling back the curtain a little bit i'm giving you a little bit of insight into my life okay um and then you know i just have this i'm not going to make i was gonna make a really inappropriate joke and i stopped myself okay so we'll just continue on with the podcast well, like someone's health is not an inappropriate joke nick i mean if it's one of those things where it's like you know like then you gotta get it checked out yeah right? i gotta get that checked out i guess yeah. but you know that's uh i mean you're getting married here in a few months yeah i am and you're November. about to start a family yeah 
I am, uh, yeah, that's kind of weird to think about a little bit, but uh, we we went to Wedding World okay. yesterday. Um, that was this weekend, wasn't that it? That was, and then yeah. I think, or maybe it was a bridal expo, and the Wedding World is next weekend. I can't remember how that doesn't really works. matter. It's yep. the same event. It's the same people that the go there. same bullshit, different name. It's the same thing, you know, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I went to the one yesterday, tried out some food. We found our caterer, which oh, is nice. We you guys found the, doing Big Boar Barbecue? We're doing, we're doing pogies, actually. Okay, they're not too bad. Well, they're right we, down the... St- so, so you went down to Wedding World or Brado Expo, and you found the fucking caterer. It's yep. like literally two blocks away from your house. Well, Stony Creek Inn has like three or four different o- catering options. Yeah. You can't pick whoever you want. And we were hoping that all three or four would be down there, and the only one that was was Pogies. But we have yeah. like kind of a weird connection because we know some people that work there, and the samples that they had there were just like incredibly good and then here's something i didn't notice uh taste testing is actually complimentary so yeah. it's like we don't have to pay for that oh that's nice um which is nice and you know it was so good though we so you get like a small portion of what they offer yep, and then yep. you eat that so yep. it's like a chili cook-off it's pretty much like a chili cook-off just for you though it's personalized to oh. you and uh you know we found the person that's going to make our cake which is okay. awesome um and do uh, any international big shop over here we are not you should have heard of uh crumtastic cakes I Ooh, think so, yeah. They're really good. They're okay. good. Very decently priced for a wedding cake, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like cake. And I, I tried that cake, and I was like, I like this cake. <laughs> so then we were like, all right, sign us up. Was, it, was it like you, you ate it and like the dollar signs rolled in your Actually, head? Actually, yeah, like, honestly, kind it? of, yeah. Like yeah. it was so, I cannot tell you how moist this cake was. It had been sitting out for probably a couple of hours, and still it was so moist in my mouth. I was like, holy shit, this cake is incredible. This is the best cake I've ever had. I want you to make my wedding cake. And she was like, whoa, can you calm down or we're going to call security? And then did you punch the cake? I did, and I slammed my face. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and that's when things kind of took the downward spiral. I had to get, you know, I got kicked out. At some point, my pants fell down. It was really awkward. Um, but, no, it was, it was a fun time. We got a lot of stuff figured out. And, uh, you know, weddings are expensive, so that kind of sucks. But... Um, you know, looking forward to that. And I think me and Zari have, um, also discussed the honeymoon, which I think the following couple of months, we're going to go to Europe. Oh, wow. So, uh, we've, we've kind of committed to that. We have some dollars set aside for that. So it's just a matter of planning that out. But, uh, yeah, super pumped for that. Unfortunately, we're not going to, I couldn't convince her to go to Japan. Uh, so that kind of sucks. Uh, so it's not very romantic. Oh uh, yeah. Cause so you guys are getting married in what? Like September, isn't it? November. November. You guys could have did t- World Tag League. I know that's what I was thinking, you know? right? Yeah. Or we could have went on the honeymoon in January and went to Wrestle Kingdom. Kingdom. But yeah, yeah I, guess, I couldn't convince her that that would be a romantic enough trip. So it uh, looks like we're, that's going to be put on the back burner. So for what was bit. the look that she gave you when you like pitched the idea of doing the <laughs> New Japan tour? You know, <laughs> she, gave like, me, she gave me a V trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, coffee in this morning tastes okay, good. Okay, cool. All right, so you so totally no sold the first one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No sold the first one, and then she put me up for the one winged angel on top of the chair. I was out for the three count. Yeah, and, uh, that, yeah that's what happens, home, brother. Man. Uh, but yeah, we're a great weekend though. Before then, <clears throat> wrestling wise, obviously this is yeah. a wrestling podcast, sort of, kind of maybe. Um, you were at BCW. Yes. Rise to honor their biggest show of the year, kind of like a culmination too. Um, over there at the night at the uh, Knights of Columbus, mm-hmm. and uh, how was it? How was the whole show? Good. It was a uh, very emotionally draining show. Um, like the big feud they've been running for a while here has been the feud between um, the Beer City Bruiser Matt Winchester and Brandon Blaze. You know, of course, they were part of the Brew City Bruisers and all that fun stuff. And they actually did the whole turn about like two years ago at Rise of Honor. If you remember that turn, like right. I think that yep. was 
the weekend we were going down at NXT. Yeah, that's I was when there they for did, that. Yeah, they did that turn there. So the culmination of the story was this past Friday. Um, War Games, of course. You got to have the War Games there at the Rise of Honor. Uh, ended up being in the ring, Winchester, Blaze, and James Vincent. You know, he wasn't even involved in the match, but he came down, you know, when everything kind of got hectic, yeah. got in the ring, stuff like that. Blaze got his uh, big win over on the on mat, you know, and, like, afterwards, Matt basically laid it out, man. Like, he's got a uh, semi-exclusive contract now with Ring of Honor. He's really no longer available for indie bookings. Like, he's made it. Yep. He has made it. Um, And he wanted his last show to be against the guy he considers his, you know, his best friend in the business. People are crying. Like, literally, wow. there's tears. Like, it was one of the most emotional scenes I've ever seen in the ring. And that's including the retirement of Mace Morgan. Yep. When they had that one like three years ago at Rise of Honor. Yep. So, um, really big moment there from Winchester. I a lot of good things are coming up. Sounds like he's going to New Japan as well. Wow. From what he basically said, he's got an opportunity to do a tour there. That's gonna be really good. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see where like Bruce City Wrestling goes from here now. Yeah. Because like Winchester's been a pillar of that company for the last thirteen years. Right. So now it's like with the Thumpers Den where they're at where everything's really kind of like peaking to go into a new venue. It's really, it was one chapter closed and another one's about to begin here in BCW. So kudos to them. Kudos to Frankie and Matt, everyone involved yeah. with that product, JP. Like it, it was one of the most emotional events I've been a part of. Wow. And I, I'm very honored and blessed that both like me and Ryan Brown were there filming on the floor, you know? Oh, Ryan was there too. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fun, you know? Um, it was a lot of fun. Just a long night, man. Cause like the show didn't get, we didn't get out of there until like eleven thirty. Yeah. And we got a three hour car ride. So those rise to honor shows <laughs> are, man. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty rough. But you had a pretty special night too, as well. There with River City Championship. Yeah, wrestling. it was a really, it was a really good night for wrestling here in Lacrosse. You know, we've talked about it a mm-hmm. lot, and 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 uh, kind of popping the territory a little bit, and trying to get a just kind of a nice uh, regular flow of shows from lacrosse mm-hmm. so we don't have a lot of these shows that only draw 40 to 50 people like you know it's, it'd be nice to get this going so it means something every time it comes around and obviously at the end of the day the promoters aren't eating a lot of the costs um this this show had sold more pre-sealed tickets i think than any other show besides the honky tonk man show which is an which was an incredible draw it was like yeah. their, their biggest draw ever um and this show, you know, I think was creeping up near 200, including uh, just a very, very small few comps. So, um, yeah, it was a great show. Um, it was my first ever time in a singles match. Yeah. I don't want people to get it twisted. It's not like I'm necessarily becoming a wrestler. It was just more of like a, a stopgap for Maru in this feud with Aesop Mitchell since Aesop was at Rise to Honor. Yeah. So, um, and he's got a new look, too, that Aesop Yeah, Aesop yeah, Mitchell. I saw that. Yeah. But uh, it was basically, it kind of came up. And they were like, well, Nikki Duchesne is a, a pretty big heel in lacrosse. Maru's a pretty big face. Let's just put them together. You know, and the nice thing about it, too, is that when you have a show that has seven matches on it and two of them were with names, and you also have a match like uh, Peter Schwann's and Jared Jack's, you know, it's nice because it's it's different, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to it's, it's not gonna be just a regular wrestling matchup. There's going to be a story that has to be told with it, so it differs from the other seven matches, which was nice. Um a lot of people said they really liked it. It was a really fun match. You know, we probably went, including with our promos, like we were probably out there for like 15 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, it was a pretty decently sized matchup. Uh, basically, um, it started, and we, we talk about this a little bit. Uh, we, we actually recorded a Riley Factor episode afterwards with pretty much, it was like a 
Grapple Talk Network hodgepodge. It was me, mm -hmm. uh, regular guy gaming, Isaac Maru, whatever you want to call him, uh, Jiggy Jack Spade from the Ross Family Matters podcast, and AC Riley. And we kind of just went over the show. That was like almost an hour and a half episode. But um, So we talk about it there if you want to actually get a full breakdown of the show. But as far as just the match with me and Maru was concerned, you know, dude, like we went through it. We had a couple of really nice spots to, to tell a story, right? Because mm -hmm. we didn't really do anything. Like we barely did anything. We just kind of uh, – Put this match together, um, tried to tell the story from the very beginning that would make sense with the very end of it, and uh, man, it, it just turned out so good. You know, I got there early on Friday. Me and me and Isaac, I would honestly say just with me and Isaac having to do the, the RGG podcast together, and then just from our time, you know, when I first met him over there in NAW, and then mm -hmm. kind of just being on the road and seeing him at all these shows, I would say Isaac is probably one of my... my closest friends inside wrestling like i i talk to him about stuff all the time you know yeah. we text and 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 do the whole skypers thing all the time even though he lives a couple of hours away but uh i'm just so i'm so blessed to have been given that opportunity with a guy like maru and then jack spade was there and helped us put a, a few of these little things together just like the minor details mm -hmm. and dude it just it just felt like it was just felt really good man the crowd was so freaking into it um yeah i wrote a poem <laughs> to do the, the the opening promo, which I thought was I I don't want to talk myself up, but I thought my promo was hot fire, and it was like only like a thirty second poem, but it was just I think it was perfect for the yeah. moment. It differed from any other promo that guys were that guys cut, you know. Um, and again, you know, the match, like I said, we didn't do a ton, but I think it, as we've talked about before, when it comes to watching matches and and what we enjoy about matches, I really like when you can begin a match and then end the match and there's this just great story throughout mm -hmm. the entire match and there's like a clear climax yep. and then it just it, it just finishes i love that and uh you know i don't know if you saw the video of the flip bump that i took on the clothesline but uh i did but a pair but for a lot of people you know I, and again i don't mean to i'm not trying to talk myself up but a lot of people were like well dude that was like the moment of the night because you know i'm this manager guy and we had like we had this riffraff back and forth uh, rgg did the fake injury angle yeah i took did advantage he do of it that. where he like ran into the turnbuckle yep. Fake injury angle, you know, at the very end, you know, we, we just, we had a lot of those like peak moments where you actually might have thought that I would have won. At some point I hit him with the belt and then I wrapped him up in a figure four to, you know, be like, ah, look at this. I can actually do stuff. And I think at that moment was kind of like, holy shit, this dude might win. RGG did the 1980s Hogan fireback, And mm -hmm. then, you know, I'm paintbrushing him in the corner. And up to that point, again, you know, we worked a very, very short heat um, but I think it was effective, and then all of a sudden, you know, he tur I turn around, and I told him at that point, because we were running through the match, I was like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to take this clothesline. I'm just going to feel it out, and however you hit me with it is how I'm going to react to it. So I did the, the inside-out sell. And yeah, apparently, the Rikishi sell. It, yeah, Rikishi yeah. sell, and apparently took everybody by surprise. They were like, holy fuck, dude, that was yeah. crazy. And uh, that's that's the kind of reaction you want you want people to have, right? They don't yep. expect that moment to come. And that's why I told him when we were booking out the match, I was like, dude, uh I know this is what we want to do for the finish, and I know right before we hit that, I want it. I want you to hit me with this clothesline, and I want to oversell it because I think everything leading up to that point, mm -hmm. that moment will get people going, holy fuck, that was nuts. Because yeah. we egged him on, we kept it real nice and slow, we didn't do a ton, and once that happened, everybody was like, what popped for it. So, yeah, um, yeah again, just really, really happy with it. I, I'm so I'm I'm just real, I guess you know after all this time you know I remember me and AC Riley training in the back of uh, Butchie Davis's yard at some point you know when he first started and uh, it's just kind of cool to be able to do that and just get some praise from you know some of our fellow workers and things like that that were like hey man you know you're not a wrestler you're a manager but fucking good match dude you yeah. know it's, it's it's cool I guess you know after That's all awesome, this time man. being in wrestling 
But uh, happy this upcoming week we got ACW. Yes. And uh, I'm hoping to jump back in the commentary booth. We haven't done that for how long? I mean, it's been oh, a man, long it's been time. A, been a few months, you know, at least. Oh, jeez. Because, like, you started doing, like, a lot of broadcasts for, like, high school football with us. And, like, schedules didn't just line up. Plus, with, like, the Salvation Army, with the Red Kettle campaign. Like, just schedules didn't it was, line it up. Was hard, it was hard. The thing about ACW Friday shows yeah. is it's hard to come up when you have work. It's your busiest season to say, yep. I'm going to leave at 1 o'clock today. I'm going to leave at one thirty today or two, yep. even 2 o'clock at the latest. It's hard to kind of tell your, the that. higher-ups, yep. like, hey, I'm going to leave at 2 o'clock so I can go do commentary for pro wrestling. Now that the season's slowed down a little bit, now that we're trying to make up hours from working the 80-hour weeks during the Red Kettle campaign, it's the perfect opportunity to get back into it. Mm-hmm. And, dude, I've missed it, man. I, I still, to this day, my favorite thing to do when it comes to wrestling isn't to go out and manage, isn't to have singles matches with Maru. It's to do commentary mm-hmm. and more specifically do the broadcasting style commentary with you, you know, right? Yeah. So I'm not playing a character. It's like we can sit there and just analyze the sport and have fun in front of the hundreds that make it out to the Masonic Center there in Oshkosh. Yeah, it's the one place, you know, like when, when we started doing this like 10 years ago, like I never wanted to do commentary, but the second we got an opportunity to do it, I was hooked. Yep. And then from there now it's like, Everywhere I'm going, it's camera work, editing, camera work, editing. This is the only place we do commentary anymore. Which is crazy because, yeah. again, I don't – and I don't mean – it's not even talking myself up, but, mm-hmm. you know, for a while there, it seemed like you did commentary everywhere. Yeah. Like, everywhere wanted Jesse Von Rudin do commentary because you're a good – you're a great mm-hmm. play-by-play guy. You know a lot of the moves. You know how to tell the stories. Um, you know how to – you're very quick-witted, you know, so you can kind of come up with those zingers. Bing! Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah. makes sense in the context of the matchup. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, I think, it, you know, obviously a lot of other guys, your, your name got out there, but a lot of times it was also for the idea of making DVDs and being able to put mm-hmm. together the matches. So, you know, these guys that didn't necessarily know you had the idea of their own guys that could do the commentary and you could do all the other work, which kind of sucks. But still happy that uh, we're doing that at ACW and uh, really looking forward to coming back on Friday because, goddamn, man, those those shows seem like they just get better and better every single time. Oh, that is definitely true. They got something special going on there in Oshkosh, and uh, yeah, I gotta definitely take you to the record shop too, man. Because like you got a f- few albums you want to pick up, and this place is amazing. Yeah. Do you think they have any like Justin Bieber or like some old school Britney Spears that I could probably pick up? Yeah, probably Nick. <laughs> they, they do have a very nice used section as well that you could probably find that stuff in. Yeah, if you want the Bieber and vinyl, they probably got the Bieber and vinyl. Bieber and vinyl, man. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine how sick his? How sick his vocals sound on a record opposed to just like, some crappy baby, CD. Baby, oh my gosh, are you really referencing a Justin Bieber yeah, song? Yeah, you know, that's like awesome. LP did a remix of that song. So really? that's the only reason I know it. There you go. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff that we still want to talk about national-wise. We are going to jump all over the place, uh, but we'll do that in a sec. Let's take a quick break, Jesse. You're listening to Grapple Talk. Hey, guys. This is AC Riley reminding you to check out The Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guests, interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy 
Gaming. Check us out. Welcome back to the Grapple Talk flagship. Thank you all so much for joining us. And, uh, Jesse, lots of things happening nationally, internationally over the past week uh, since our last time sitting down. This is weird, man, because mm -hmm. typically how this works is we haven't been recording for, like, months at a time. So it's like... We will record once, and then a couple of months goes by, and then we'll record again. And it's like, what has happened in the past two months yeah. <laughs> related to wrestling, and how can we talk about it? Now, it's just a week, but there's been a ton of shit that's happened. Well, definitely. Um, we went from doing it almost like a Thursday night type of thing, and kind of recapping how the week has been going, leading into the weekend, and now we're coming fresh right away, beginning of the week. And it gives us an opportunity to actually talk about something that's going to start tomorrow, Nick. Yeah. And that is the Mix Max Challenge from WWE. Yeah, lots of uh, really interesting matchups. Basically, the premise of this, are you going to fall over? What's no, going no, on? No, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> like, this stool doesn't have a foot, so I'm going to put that on while you uh, talk about it. So, Oh, that had me going. That was really funny. No, no, I'm not going to die. Uh, so basically, the uh, WWE Mixed Match Challenge, if you haven't heard of this, I think it's a really uh, unique mm -hmm. uh, kind of, it's, it, it's just a unique gimmick, right, for yeah. the WWE, right? So what they're doing is they're basically, you have a, a, a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. Teaming together for the ultimate goal of winning this tournament style uh, tag it's a, it's team. A, it's a I'm tournament. I don't even know it's what I'm saying. It's a tournament, Nick. It's just a tournament, it's not a, a tournament, tournament style. style tournament. So, <laughs> so uh, but basically, um, what it's going to be a 12 episode series, and uh, it's going to be on Facebook Watch. So, kind of just yep. on Facebook for free for anybody that wants to tune in and kind of watch these matches. A very interesting concept. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, the show will fill WWE's 10 p.m. Eastern time slot, currently held by 205 Live. Uh, and then following the show's premiere, 205 Live will begin to air at 10.30 Eastern. So otherwise, uh, what is that? Is that 9.30 Central? Um, That is going to be, uh, well, if it's like 9 p.m. Oh, it's going to be 9 p.m., basically. Yeah, so it'll be 9 p.m. For us that yeah. live here, but obviously for all of our, you know, brethren in the UK, because we have so many listeners over there, it's going to be at some other time. Just Google it. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but there's a lot of really interesting teams that are going to be in this, mm -hmm. Jesse. And again, this is going to be on Facebook Live, so this isn't necessarily going to be broadcasted on Raw. It's yep. not going to be broadcasted on SmackDown. It's not going to be broadcasted on the WWE Network. I, I imagine eventually they might post the matches to the WWE Network for people to watch at a later date just to add more content. But... Um, yeah, man. Talking about these first-round matchups, uh, it's going to be Raw teams versus SmackDown teams. Mm -hmm. You've got Finn Balor and Sasha Banks teaming up to take on uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Natalya. A very, very interesting um, tag team with Nakamura and Natalya. You know, and if you're looking at it, too, like so each week is only one match. Yep. So this is a good match. If this is going to be the one that's going to start your tournament, this is a fantastic one to start it because you start with both Balor and Nakamura, very big names on the international scene. Plus two of the better female workers as well with Sasha Banks and Natalia. Now, it's not so much um, intergender wrestling. It's going to be man versus man, yep. woman versus woman. Right. So don't get ahead and be thinking that, oh, hey, Sasha Banks is going to get a Kinshasa there from <laughs> uh, Nakamura. Um, that's not going to happen. Yep, we've got Miz and Asuka taking on Big E and Carmella. I think that's a pretty interesting dynamic to keep an eye out on, especially the Miz and Asuka. I've seen them all over social media blowing that up. Mm -hmm. Braun Strowman tagging with Alexa Bliss uh, up against Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch. They had a nice uh, pre-tournament storyline going. Becky Lynch wanting to be Sami Zayn's partner, and then he dressed up as a fan when she was signing autographs, and the cameras were there. It was a pretty, it was a pretty cool thing. Goldust and Alicia Fox teaming up to take on Jimmy Uso and Naomi. We have uh, Elias and Bailey. Uh, up against uh, Rusev Day and Lana. And then, uh, last but not least, Apollo Crews teaming up with Nia Jax up against Bobby Roode and Charlotte Flair. So a lot of, uh, again, a lot of very prime, you know, just very prime matchups, a lot of really big 
uh, household names going to be in this tournament. And Jesse, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but if there was a team that you had to uh, label as a favorite, maybe a team that you had to label as a dark horse, uh, who would those teams be? You know, that's a good question. If I had to pick a favorite team, it's kind of hard to bet against Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. Yeah, I think it is you really know? hard to do that. I think. Um, especially with the way Strowman's being booked right now. Same with Bliss. Um, and if you're looking at it as like a pure entertainment thing, one of the things that's been really good with all these pairings is these mini promos they've been airing. Yeah, right. Saying like, hey, you want to be my partner and yep. stuff like that. They are probably, I will say this, they are probably the cutest promos WWE has ever produced. Yeah, they are pretty adorable. Um, it's, almost like, it's almost like... We, yeah. it's like it's like in high school uh, a guy asking a gal to prom that's kind of honestly yeah. how it's felt a little bit and mm-hmm. I think it's a uh, like you mentioned it's been it's been great and I think it is hard to bet against Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss I'm kind of questioning that I mean and again you want to put more eyes on it early on but as an early round matchup to me Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch this their dynamic and the idea mm-hmm. of this big storyline building up to them actually being a tag team I figured they would have went really late in the tournament but it is hard to bet against Braun and Alexa so well, definitely. um I think that's that's pretty interesting especially when the match right below them is Goldust Alicia Fox taking on Jimmy Uso and Naomi um but yeah as far as a favorite for me I've got to go with Bobby Roode and Charlotte Flair um, I think the idea of them both wearing robes coming down to the ring is fantastic, and uh, you know they're both they're both pretty protected uh, babies over there on SmackDown. So I think for for a favorite for me that would be pretty hard to bet against. But let's look at the dark horses here, Jesse. Mm-hmm. If there's somebody in this tournament that's going to surprise everybody and last a while and and be there in the finals to represent this tournament on the biggest stage on Facebook Live, who would it be? Probably Elias and Bailey. Team. Uh, Drift huggers, hug drift, the hug drift, yeah. Because like one of the things you're gonna have too once you get past like the next round is you have a second chance fan vote. So after the fans right. get to see who's actually been there, who gets a good crowd reaction, you know they're gonna do the vote probably on Facebook as well. You know I'm bringing the next team, so that adds a variable there that you might not necessarily have. So you're looking them through some of these pairings. There's gonna be a lot of teams that are like I think a lot of fans are really gonna get kind of behind. Um. Especially one of them being, you know, Zane Lynch is yep. one of those teams. Elias Bailey would be one of those teams. Rusev Lana as well, you yep. know, because like, even though like, let's say Rusev and Lana get that win against Elias and Bailey, more than likely they would be taking on Bobby Roode and Charlotte Flair there. Yep, right. I mean, that's a that's a dicey matchup right there. Especially if you're thinking about it, it's like you're doing experience versus non-experience. They will Lana take it on, you know, Charlotte Flair. It's it's going to be very tough, very tough. But um. This is going to be an interesting premise here for the WWE because they're really testing the waters with a new delivery service and using Facebook Watch. Now, with the premise of Facebook Watch basically just being it's a 20-minute episode, 30 minutes, give or take, with one match. Basically, it's it's almost like an ad for Raw. It's an ad for SmackDown. It's an ad for the WWE Network as well. But what they're doing here is really capitalizing on the numbers they like to tout about their Facebook, about their Twitter and stuff like that, and really kind of showing the power of their brand, especially on a platform like Facebook. Well, let's just talk about Facebook in general. I mean, mm-hmm. it is the perfect platform for somebody that wants to get content out there and wants people to watch it. You know, for example, outside of the wrestling um, spectrum or whatever, I do gaming commentaries, and for the longest time I do, I stream live on YouTube, I post yep. my videos on YouTube, we talk, you know, Another really popular gaming platform is Twitch, right? Yep. But when it comes to Facebook, there is, and you can argue, you can argue this if you want, but to me, there is no greater way to get your content out there and seen by people that might not be, you know, regular viewers of your channel or regular viewers of your social media page than Facebook, because you know if you're able to just kind of 
put that up and you have a bunch of people sharing it. I mean, it's the perfect way for people to share things and mm-hmm. comment on things, and it's just so seamless, and it's so easy to navigate that um, it makes perfect sense for them to do this. It's a perfect way for them to test the waters with Facebook, and uh, I not only think this is going to be an opportunity for them to showcase in front of those millions and millions that already like their page and already follow their page, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity for them to also again, broaden their reach because they can only get so many people to buy into the network and so many people to tune into USA and so many people to watch their YouTube Mm -hmm. and so many people to watch those promos on Facebook. Now they're going to have actual content on there for people that maybe haven't bought into it, maybe past fans, maybe people that aren't regularly watching right now and going, hey, this shit's actually pretty cool. Now think about this too. So you'll have more than likely access to this through WWE on Facebook. But I wouldn't be surprised if each of these you know, each of these competitors who have their own separate Facebook account, there will be a link to each one of those. Right. So it's going to be on Finn Balor's page, Sasha Banks' page, Shinsuke Nakamura, Natalia, The Miz, Asuka. It's going to be on all these people's pages. And it's going to be one of those things. It doesn't really matter where you watch it or how you watch it. Like The engaging factor, as you said, is going to be alarming. It's going to be insane. Yeah, social media is mm-hmm. by far, I think, just it's huge right now. I think, uh, you know, regardless if we like to admit it or not, I know for some reason it's like weird for some people to admit that they spend a lot of time on social media on Facebook, mm-hmm. but it's the truth. Yeah. And a lot of times people use that for different different reasons. I mean, hell, I probably get most of my current news and things like that from the Twitters, from the Facebooks, yeah. from like Reddit and stuff like that. Um, so I'm constantly browsing Facebook, browsing Twitter. I like Facebook creeping. I like <laughs> I use I use Facebook and Twitter to keep up with things like WWE or you know like a uh, wrestling newsletter website because they do post a lot of their most important information there. Because again, yeah. a lot of people agree it's the best way to get the most reach. It's the best way to reach your fan base, reach people that might necessarily um, not be fans of your mm-hmm. product just yet. And uh, again, I think this is a, a, a great marketing idea for the WWE, whoever's idea it was behind to put this on Facebook Watch, Facebook Live, whatever. Um, kudos to them because they, mm-hmm. they should have a job for life because I think this is really going to blow up. I think it's going to open a lot of doors up to you know other companies and things like that that might be considering doing things with Facebook. And uh, you know I'm, I'm really excited not only for this tournament to start but to see what the numbers are, especially yeah. after the first couple because um, I think that'll tell a pretty interesting story as far as where we are moving toward in the future. Well, definitely. It's not just going to be wrestling companies who are looking at this. Yeah. Think about Major League Baseball. Right. You're going to be thinking about the NBA, the NFL, the Olympics. Like, the think about that. Like, the Olympics, with the amount of events that go on and how the coverage is actually spread out over multiple channels. If the Olympics could actually put events up on Facebook. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. It I mean, would. we could watch, like, skiing 3 yeah. o'clock in the morning. That'd be so cool. Yeah, you know. Like, and it's and it's again, it's a great and Facebook, man, can you imagine like for years now it seems like every every year there's always like a new claim like, oh, social media is dying, there's you know, yeah. these new companies are coming out, Facebook is a thing of the past, it's not gonna be able to keep up. And then you introduce something like this where now basically they're Honestly, they're almost offering television, right? Yep. What we would consider broadcast TV, they are now being able to offer. And again, it's the I mean, you have all the numbers right there for mm-hmm. your right. You know, it's not the same all your thing. metrics are right there. They're right there, right? So you can have those. You can view those twenty minutes after you wrap up the broadcast. Hell, you I can mean, view it while you're watching it because it's right underneath the screen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. People that aren't even necessarily involved with the company can see how many views they have. Mm-hmm. Um, the metric system is great for Facebook. You know, you know that running a bunch of different pages, you can kind of yep. see where the views are coming from and and who's uh, peaking interest who's but engaging who's yeah. engaging um but that's what's so cool about it and i think that's what's so interesting and again it's just so seamless 
right? So it's not like I don't have to sit in front of my TV. I don't have to fire up the network. I don't have to go through all the sifting. It's just like I right could here. be – it's right there on your handheld phone. You can sit there browsing something. Oh, look at that. Uh, we got Alexa Bliss and Braun Sturman taking on Sami Zayn and Becky Lynch. I'm going to watch this. I'm just going mm-hmm. to tune in for a sec because I'm just sitting here not doing anything. Um, I, it's it's great, and it's going to hit a lot of people when they're probably getting ready for bed, maybe laying in bed, surfing the social medias, and mm-hmm. boom, come up on a match. I'm going to watch that for a good 20 minutes before I hit the hay. Great marketing idea for WWE, and I think it's only going to make uh, it's only going to grow. And uh, this is the first venture, and again, I think a lot of people should probably tune into this not only for the product inside mm-hmm. the ring, but I think this is going to be a monumental step forward as far as using social media for that broadcasting element um, in the future. So it's it's very interesting to keep an eye on, and it's 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 probably good to tune in for that reason alone. And like one of the things is kind of like also like been kind of like pushed underneath the rug in this whole thing is like the winner of the tournament's donated a hundred thousand dollars to the right. charity of choice so each team's got a charity of choice that they want so even like let's say with that van vote coming up if it's a charity that you actually it you know really can get behind you can vote for the charity instead of the team but yep. you're voting for that team because they, they represent that charity yep. but that's one of those things that's neither here nor there at this point in time but this brings up a question that, you know, you and me were kind of discussing, like, off the air. And it's very much the future of WWE television rights. Now, it's being reported that WWE's, well, it is being commonly known that WWE's contract with USA Network ends in 2019. So, basically, about a year and a half from now. And they're already looking for new avenues to get their product out there. There was reports of them talking with CBS, yep. talking with YouTube, um, definitely a few other places. But the one that seems to be perking a lot of people's interest is... Well, Fox. Yeah, that's right. Because Fox has been in talk. Fox has been broadcasting UFC stuff for a number of years now, mm-hmm. right? It At seems least like, like five. It seems like you can't yeah. go into a bar these mm-hmm. days. It, honestly, it seems like regardless of the time of day. Yep. FS1, uh, you know, Fox Sports Two, whatever, always has UFC on, and they're like really good fights. Like I think. Yeah. Uh, Man, I'm I'm probably gonna sound like an idiot to all the people that actually you know watch UFC religiously, but I think after the show on Friday we were in the bar and I looked over and uh, you know it was like it was maybe it was Overeem versus Wordham or whatever the fuck their names are. I apologize if you watch UFC, but I know just based on seeing the names, I don't know how to pronounce them necessarily, mm-hmm. that it was a key matchup. Like these, I think were two former like heavyweight champs in UFC, and here it is being aired on FS1 or whatever yeah. on the TV in the bar. Um, but apparently, you know, UFC obviously isn't drawing as much money as you would probably think WWE was. I'm sorry mm-hmm. for those of you that maybe enjoyed uh, UFC more than WWE or whatever, but uh, let's be honest, WWE does rake in quite a bit more dough than the UFC does. Um, but apparently, you know, WWE is kind of exploring the option of uh, trying to find a new uh, broadcasting partnership. And there was rumors and uh, more or less reported in the Wrestling Observer, too, so what a lot of people would consider to be um, fairly reputable, um, that Triple H did meet with some execs over there at uh, Fox about the idea of um, Fox either buying the broadcasting rights to WWE or simply buying the company entirely in 2019. Um, reports are that Vince man isn't necessarily so interested in giving up top control but you know we'll see how things turn out over the next couple of years obviously Vince McMahon kind of climbing up in age a little bit um, but nonetheless 2019 basically the structure how it would work would that be would be that Raw would be aired on Fox proper and then you'd see Smackdown move to one of their secondary channels like a Fox Sports 1 and then they would also um, air some uh, more I guess quote-unquote B um, programming on the FS1s on the Fox Sports 2s um, very interesting concept, too, because I think uh, in reading this, there was the idea that they might actually 
make this deal. Fox might buy this deal for right around $400 million. Mm-hmm. So um, as we've talked about before when it comes to the NFL, you know, you want to know why guys are making so much fucking money. That's why. Uh, because of the broadcasting deals and network deals. And uh, I think this is a really interesting thing because um, reading this article, it seems like the the contract with USA um, in coming to a close, it really does look like uh, WWE is going to be looking into kind of that, uh, either the idea of working with uh, network TV or going to one of the more... um, futuristic options like a YouTube or a mm-hmm. Google or an Amazon. Um, and I think I think it's just really interesting. Uh, I think it's uh, it's something that uh, could be a huge shift for WWE. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to largely come down to the, the amount of money that they're going to get offered from the network. And then also the idea of how much they're going to pull in. Are they going to get better numbers by being on Fox on Monday nights um, opposed to being on USA? I don't know. Well, think about this, Nick. So if you are going from a cable-only service like USA to Fox proper, you know, which is available for free over the digital airwaves, you know, like it's in everyone's home. Yeah. You know, it's on every cable package no matter what. Um, It'd be a huge move for the WWE. Um, One of the things, too, with the whole deal is, you know, UFC is also negotiating their new contract coming up. And they're also talking with different people. So if Fox is looking for a way to basically supplement the programming they have with UFC, WWE is perfect. WWE has multiple, 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 multiple shows they can put on any type of product you want. Plus, they can go back into the vault. Now, one of the the things with the WWE Network has really kind of shown that the interest for classic content. Yep. So you could see classic shows on FS1. You could see classic stuff. Plus, you might see new specials, like broadcast specials. Because think about this. Like, you might get a weekly Raw, but you might get the once-a-month show. Right. Or maybe the once-every-two-month show, like on a Fox. Kind of like how you get a UFC fight night. Right. You know, you might get someone like that. You might actually... Fox might even go further and do almost like an Ultimate Fighter type of show. Oh, yeah. You know, something like that. Kind of do that content. But a lot of this, too, like, if you really kind of think about it, it actually kind of works out really well in Fox's favor because they were able to unload a shit ton of content with their deal with Disney where they basically sold back the rights to Marvel and all their licensing products. So Fox right now is in a position to really rebrand itself. Now, if they actually go through with the WWE deal, either to buy it or just buy the broadcasting rights, that means WWE is going to be forefront of this change of Fox's marketing strategy. And this could be a big thing for pro wrestling here in America because now it's not so much niche anymore. It's not just cable only. This is going to be broadcast television. Think about this. This is broadcast television. This is a network that had a fucking American Idol on it, all right? <laughs> American Idol ended up being a huge sensation. Yeah. still draws fucking ratings, you yeah. know? It's one of those things where The Simpsons is on Fox. Yeah. Simpsons has been on for 25 fucking years. This is yeah. an institution. So getting wrestling back on a network television on a weekly basis could be very huge for WWE. Another big thing about this, too, was the talks about mm-hmm. uh, Vince McMahon trying to uh, revive the XFL or uh, uh, the there Alpha. Was, actually, Alpha, there was some talk that the reason why he even was doing that was possibly to purchase the Carolina Panthers. Oh. Think about this. Would Would you rather start a brand-new football league 
or buy the Carolina fucking Panthers. Who are going to make you money regardless. I think yeah. I'd rather buy the Carolina Panthers. Same but, here. Uh, but nonetheless, there were talks as well that if Fox did make this purchase, then there would also be a great avenue for that, um, you know, that football, mm-hmm. that new football league that Vince McMahon might be producing. Who knows where that goes. But again, as you mentioned, it, it, you said it perfectly. I think it's just, uh, it's it's huge for pro wrestling just because imagining Raw on Fox on Monday nights, like it means so much. And also in these discussions and in this report, it also means if this were to happen and Raw were to come to Fox on Monday nights, mm-hmm. the talks are that it would be moved back down to two hours, 8 p.m. Yep. to 10 p.m. or 7 to 9 central. So that would be another really interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, the, the only thing you worry about, though, and the thing that I think that you got to keep an eye on is where is Vince McMahon's health over the next couple of years? Because I think that will play a huge role in whether the entire company is sold or or just uh, the broadcasting rights, which, you know, personally, I think from the outside looking in, I think it would be a mistake to probably sell the entire company when you can probably yeah. still rake in $400 million cash for simply just the broadcasting rights. But, mm-hmm. again, that kind of comes down to the discussions between uh, Vince, you know, um, Paul Levesque, and yep. uh, the the executives over there at Fox, but again, this isn't like set in stone or anything. Nope. They're having talks, as you mentioned, CBS uh, still talking with Disney, talking with YouTube, talking with Google, talking with Amazon. Um, but uh, you know, 2019 is going to be here before we know it, and oh, yeah. uh, that's when you know these talks will really come up. And um, man, I just can't imagine that. Could you imagine that? Just like the like the Fox logo in the corner of a uh, Monday Night Raw that just kind of blows your mind a little bit. Yeah, but it was also one of those things too where WWE has found themselves in bed with Fox before. Yep. When Saturday night's main event ended up shifting from NBC to Fox. That happened early 90s. They had, they've been there. You know, they've done it before. But it was just one of those periods in time where the WWE was not as hot as it was in the 80s. So maybe not as many eyeballs were on the product. But, you know, they, they have had flirtations with network television before. Whether it be with NBC or with Fox. This could be a huge deal, though. Yeah, definitely. Now we're talking about... Big shows, uh-huh. uh, big changes to wrestling, really, really big change to wrestling coming. Um, I think more or less, especially on the indie circuit, would be the announcement. Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, putting together this 10,000-plus seat show. They've been talking about it for months. Well, they have officially announced the date uh, for that show, All In. Is, mm-hmm. is, the, is the title show. We saw a lot of these fan posters going around, what's going to be what. There was uh, one with Dark Child that was pretty hilarious. Was there really? Yeah, there was. Uh, so we're talking September 1st is going to be the date for this uh, mm-hmm. 10,000 uh, seat venued show. Um, and basically, yeah, they're, they're saying that they think that they can, they can um, make this happen. Um, not necessarily knowing exactly where they are going to um, book this show yet. Um, but September 1st is Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, right around uh, is after WWE's uh, SummerSlam. So that idea there behind booking it September 1st, maybe there's not as much happening in WWE. Try to get some people um, engaged in the indie wrestling circuit. And apparently that's also kind of falls around when we would expect uh, PWG's Battle of Los Angeles tournament, which is always huge in indie wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but when you, when you look at the title, it's called All In, right? And when you think of the Young Bucks, you think about Cody Rhodes, I mean, obviously, Obviously, they're going to have a name like Kenny Omega. They'll probably have some other Bullet Club members. Um, but all in. I know that we saw the, the funny indie posters, or the funny um, parody posters. You know, CM Punk's going to be there. Yeah. Uh, Neville's going to be there. Fucking all these names are going to be there. Are they going to be there? I don't know. But when you look at the title all in, you have to think that there's probably something that Cody and the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt, are putting together that's going to be able to sell 10,000 seats yep. at a venue. This is 
one of the first times that I can remember that it's not a promoter putting on a show. It's not a company putting on a show. It's the boys. These are guys who are taking invested interest in their careers. And a lot of it is because you do have the power of social media now. Yep. You do have the power of self-marketing. And that's what the Young Bucks are doing here. That's what Cody Rhodes is doing here. They're putting in their own money where their mouths are at. And they're like, we can do this. Because you think about it. Three years ago, ProWrestlingTees.com changed the fucking game of how wrestlers can market themselves. Now you can go to one place, get all those t-shirts that you want. You're seeing the power of social media. Being the elite, one of fucking silver thumbs up from fucking YouTube. You yep. know? That's yep. huge right there. Yep. That is huge. They're they're part of the expansion in New Japan here in America. Yep. And a lot of it is just because they engage their fans. Yep. And they engage them in ways that wrestlers have never engaged them before. Yep. It's, it's not so much pulling back the curtain, but it's like responding to them. Yep. You know, we've seen it with like Kevin Owens on social media as well. We've seen it with a lot of different people. For them to go all in and do 10,000 seats, that's a huge gamble. But it's a gamble they can definitely do. Because think about this, Nick. 10,000 fans. How many people actually gave an initial like on Twitter to the announcement? I don't know. I could have told you if you would have asked me that two seconds ago, but now I'm just sitting here on my phone <laughs> doing things. But no, they've reached enough likes to basically sell a ticket for that show within hours. I mean, yeah, Cody Rhodes post over 7,000 likes, uh, 1,400 mm-hmm. retweets. Um, Matt Jackson, 5,000 likes, 900 retweets. Uh, Nick Jas- Jackson, 4,800 likes, 900 retweets. So they've gotten a lot of interest in just just from their social media plugs alone. Yep. Um, Jesse, the, I think the interesting thing that comes up is what do these guys have to do to sell 10,000 seats? Who do they have to bring in to sell 10,000 seats? Uh, you know, there are rumors and things like that out there. I just looked it up. Daniel Bryan's contract is set to expire mm-hmm. in September yep. of 2018. I think... Um, uh, but there's the, a difference the, between in September yep. and September 1st, I especially with WWE, the way they structure their contracts. You got a 60-day no-compete. And I'm pretty sure that his contract actually does also expire at the end of September, so that's out the window. Yep. So when it comes to being able to bring in names, because it, let's be honest, I mean, they can do some social media telling of storylines and things like that, yep. but it's not going to have that same, you know, that same flame that a Wrestle Kingdom might have had that you had a couple of different shows to build up like an Omega and Jericho, for example. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to do? Because to me, it seems like you just got to book some really big names, garnish some really good excitement uh, to get 10,000 asses into an arena for a one-time show. Who do you have to book? I mean, let's be, okay, let's be honest, right? Mm-hmm. We see all these, these fucking posters coming out there. The idea behind CM Punk is... It, it, on it, let's be honest. It is kind of you know, it's it's interesting to yeah. talk about the idea of convincing Punk to come back for one show. Maybe, and I know we talked about this. There hasn't been a location announced yet, but consider that Chicago. You book Punk, you have to imagine that mm-hmm. that's a pretty easy sell. Then at that point, to to try to at least get ten thousand asses, because regardless of what you think of Punk, regardless uh, if you like him or dislike him, if you book this guy first wrestling match in a couple of years in his home city. You have yeah. to like the chances well, of them booking 10,000 seats. Well, think about this, too. So, Ring of Honor's biggest show drew about 7,000 right. this past WrestleMania weekend. Yep. They were able to book Kenny Omega, a couple guys from New Japan. 
there's only an additional. They could probably they could probably put ten thousand seats. Right. They could have easily. They they undersold themselves. I think the young bucks realized that we could breed in Omega. When Omega came in Chicago, how quick did those tickets sell? Right. Out? Yep. Quick. Like that. They go back to Chicago. They ump the ante when it comes to the number of seats. You get Omega in. You get one or two guys from New Japan. You get a couple other indie guys that are really hot right now. Yep. You can get like a Zack Sabre Jr. there. Yep. You know? You can get Marty Skrull. You can get these guys who are going to be hot. Hot commodities. Maybe even like a Neville's contract stuff, you know? Sure. You can do this. Like a Jericho. Like Chris Jericho could yeah. be a guy who can actually really move asses in this. Especially if you look at like Jericho's crews and some of the guys are actually involved with that. Yeah. Cody's involved with that. The Young Bucks are involved with that. So this could be a really big go if they can get Jericho to the show, yeah, too. Yeah, definitely. Being centrally located in the country on a three-day weekend could be massive. Yep. I mean, if this could really do very, very well. And they could definitely do it. If they can convince like a guy like CM Punk to come out of retirement, wrestle one match, yeah. it doesn't matter against who the hell it is. Yeah, he could wrestle literally anybody. Yeah. He could, fuck, he could wrestle AC Riley. Fuck, he could wrestle that blow-up doll. He could. From DDT. Yeah, right? he could wrestle that blow-up doll from DDT <laughs> and put 10,000 asses in the seats. Probably. Yeah, and that blow-up doll will probably sell about a million dollars worth of merch that weekend. <laughs> probably. You know, like yeah. he'd be selling, like signing autographs. Can you imagine that blow-up doll over there? Yeah. Each autograph would be different. Yeah. They could get a guy like Kota Ibushi, who's not even signed to a nat- like a contract He's anywhere not right to a now. single contract. They can get Kota Ibushi there. Yeah. Like, they could do some really cool stuff. Like, make them bring guys from Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. They could do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and it's they, their they could, show. It's their fucking show. There is no identity to this. Yeah. It could be, like, the biggest fucking independent wrestling party that's ever been produced. You can get a guy like Joey Janela on there. Yeah, It doesn't really could. matter. You could. And I just, I do want to say that I, I would be very, very surprised if there aren't some sort of weird talks with CM Punk. I would yeah. be surprised if there at least isn't a little bit of negotiating that happens between now and September 1st to try to see if Punk would be willing to do it. I don't know that he will. Mm-hmm. I know he's very happy with what he's doing now, um, and he probably would have an incredibly hefty price tag to come in and do that one show, but um, but I, I, would, I would bet everything that I'm worth that there will at least be some discussions between mm-hmm. Cody, between the Young Bucks, whoever, and contacting Punk and, and seeing if this is a possibility because... Um, I think that would be you. You want to talk about not even just selling ten thousand seats. Yep. You want to talk about just making a buzz in the wrestling community. I mean, that would be that would be huge. That would overshadow anything WWE is doing. In my opinion, that would be bigger mm-hmm. than anything WWE is doing. Not necessarily like you know bigger, but as far as just getting people talking on social media yep. and stuff like that, just creating a buzz. That would be that would be huge. So as of right now, you have a date. Yep. Next thing's got to be. They must have the venue. I mean, they, they have, have the date. If they have the date, they got to have the venue. I would not be shocked if they drop some more stuff in the next couple of weeks. Yep. And we will know for sure by WrestleMania weekend what exactly the plan is. Because if the wrestling world's a buzzing during WrestleMania weekend, that's when you make your announcement. That's when you make the announcement. And if it's in Chicago, dude, I'm saying we got to probably go. Regardless mm-hmm. of ticket, you know, $1,000 tickets, we got to go. Dude, with 10000 <laughs> Like, we got an opportunity to get a ticket. Yeah, I hopefully. Mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we, we try to get the... Unless that Bonner fucking blow-up dog gets oh, booked, man. then we're fucked. Then we're fucked. Those tickets will go quick. Oh, yeah. Last but not least, before we take our last uh, break, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse recently announced 
Um, it looks like Paige's career might be over in WWE. You know, you kind of, I think I remember reading about this house show injury that she had maybe a month ago. It sounded pretty gruesome. It sounded like a stinger. Very similar to probably what we saw with uh, Steve Stardom and Prodigy, actually, in Winona, where something mm-hmm. kind of clicked. She was uh, kind of immobile there for uh, a few minutes, and then all of a sudden she was able to kind of walk out on her own power. But nonetheless, it was a very gruesome injury. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like uh, WWE doctors will not clear here her very similar to and to an edge injury. Yeah. Man, that's tough, man. I think mid twenties, twenty five maybe is her is where yeah. she's at right now. And uh, to be told after this really hot storyline, seemingly I think leading to quite possibly one of her biggest runs in WWE yet, with Asuka with some of the other top talent in Raw, mm-hmm. especially considering that now um, the this women's revolution is happening, and it's her opportunity to kind of be able to to, to work with some of these 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 great female competitors, and just to have that taken away from you, man, that's just that's tough. That's really tough. And the injury wasn't something out of like Ned, you know, just just oh yeah, it was a complete accident. You know, she they did the spot and she took a mule kick from Sasha Banks between the shoulder blades. Something that a lot of people take no matter what went down in a heap. And you you watch the video, it's been floating around for a couple of weeks now, but her inability to get back up is a similar injury to like an edge. Stuff like that, where the the risk of her getting back into the ring is not going to be awarding enough to continue the career. Right. Now, this is a gal who, last three years, has been well-documented. Like, her life has been turned upside down from, you know, the hot water she got in with the WWE getting out, the sex tape releases, everything with Alberto Del Rio. Like, if you want to talk about a midlife crisis, she went through it at the age of 25. Yeah. And now the one thing that you've known your whole entire life, pro wrestling, gone like that. Yep. Like, it's not, heart it's, goes out to her, man. Yeah, and it's yeah. coming back. You know, making that redemption return. She's got mm-hmm. this this doc these this documentary or mockumentary or whatever coming out where it was like it's basically her life. Things like that. Um, just things were all rolling on all cylinders for her. Mm-hmm. She seemed healthy. She seemed like, uh, again, she was putting this top story on uh, WWE's A show, the biggest show, wrestling show on television. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just to be at a house show and just to see it all come crumbling down is just like, man, that is that is rough. That is really mm-hmm. tough to come by. Because, again, we talked about this. You know, not only did she have just a really bad couple of years, but it seemed like her stock was just going up and going up and going up and at the age of 25, too, it's not like she was able to do everything she wanted to do. She probably had another 10 years left of, of yeah. wrestling if she really wanted to. And you, like you mentioned, this has been her entire life. And now to be like, you know, nope. You know, because you talk about that. You know, with Edge, he was at least nearing. I mean, he probably had a couple, career, good, yeah. a couple good years left, but he was nearing the end of it. Um, Paige still had plenty of time left. And uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's uh, that's that's rough, man. It's it's mm-hmm. tough because you know you 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 don't look at it necessarily like oh we're gonna miss out on this great storyline or oh we're missing out on page wrestling. It's like you look at it just from her perspective and being like something that you Jesse maybe have loved doing for a long time and just for somebody to say, you know, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's physically impossible for you to do that. Go find something else to do. Is just like wow, that's that's yeah. tough. This is like a. Like an NFL player getting his career cut short right. two years after college. Yep. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. This is someone who he put in the time, the effort, really busted her ass in the UK indie scene, made a name for herself, got signed, busted her ass. Really, you can kind of like, you could say Paige was one of those pillars of those early NXTs. Yep. 
you can say Paige was a pillar of that women's revolution. Mm-hmm. When she got called up, she was like that gateway between like the old way and the new way that yeah. we have right now. For for her at 25 to be basically looking in the mirror and saying it's over. Yep. Like whatever she does next, like this is really that's going to be her legacy in life. It's yep. not going to be wrestling anymore. Nope. It's going to be what she's going to do next here. Yep. And that's uh that's really tough, but who knows? Maybe there will be some opportunities for her to stick around backstage. Maybe she'll get to work, be a road agent, do stuff like yeah. that, kind of be able to at least be part of the brand. I know that with Edge, a lot of it was, I got to go because I can't be around these people yeah. and be told that I can't do it. So who mm-hmm. knows what's next for her. But I mean, she could almost know. fall into a line of like a Daniel Bryan. Right. You know, you do have a good personality for the business, a good mind for the business. You've been in the business for countless years now. Like, you can parlay that into different things. WWE... You know, it, I would be if I was WWE, I would even look at Paige as like a potential like movie star right. with their film studio. Like yeah. even look at that. Like that is a person, like a perfect person to really kind of put out there yeah. and really kind of show that story. Yeah, definitely. So uh, that does it for that discussion. We just hit on a bunch of different stuff. We are going to talk some uh, non wrestling things, including the NFL playoffs. <laughs> Up next on the Gravel Talk flagship. Don't go anywhere. Yes, I'll take my eggs over easy, and I'll take my podcast, Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life, probably, and I'm definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the worst. Oh, hello. Do you like talking about life and the fun you have with your friends and games you play with each other and memories you've had over the course of time? (sighs) Nothing's better than family, folks. And here at the Ross Family Podcast, we really love having fun. Myself, Jack Spade, Victor Ross, Scott Williams. A turtle. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, who the hell are you, Isaac? And welcome back to the Grapple Talks. It's the favorite part of everyone's favorite part of the favorite show, and that includes... It's not the favorite show. Well, it's not <laughs> anymore. It it's like the fifth favorite show on a network with like five podcasts. <laughs> um, but this is this is our favorite segment. This is where we get to talk about the things that we really like to talk about. Yeah. One of the things that we really like to talk about is the NFL. And, of course, we are rolling into the conference championships yep. this weekend as uh, your New England Patriots will play playing host to the Jacksonville Jaguars while on the uh, NFC side we'll have the uh, Minnesota Vikings after a hellacious oh my God. like one of the the great moments in NFL history with the Stefan Diggs touchdown going into Philadelphia taking on the underdogs of the Philadelphia Isn't that crazy Eagles. how they're the underdogs um I think you know this has been a pretty exciting uh, NFL playoffs thus far mm-hmm. you know New England kind of spanked Tennessee there when things actually look kind of dire early on in the game um, but then you look ahead to Atlanta, Philadelphia, you know, the entire game. And it's funny how 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 big of uh, one injury can make the difference, right? Because mm-hmm. we talked about this. I, I think Carson Wentz, franchise quarterback, yep. he's a great quarterback. But I really don't think at this moment today there is that big of a gap between the talent of Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. I really don't. 
Car- I mean, Nick Foles had a, what was it, like 2012, the dude threw like fucking like 20-something touchdowns and two picks. It was yeah. like some crazy, and this dude has always, I mean, I don't know necessarily that he's ever proved himself to be a bad quarterback. He's just found himself in backup roles and things like that, mm-hmm. and now he has the opportunity to kind of show that again here, probably uh, coming up in a year where he might get a contract offer somewhere else. But, um, but yeah, I just think it's funny that Philadelphia, you know, you, you watch all of the, the post-game interviews. You see a lot of the, the linemen after the game. They put on that um, – they put on, like, a dog mask, and they're like, we're the underdogs. And it's like, well, you guys are the number one seed. I don't really think Carson Wentz was necessarily that great of a quarterback to make you an underdog with losing him. But nonetheless – uh, Philadelphia playing that undercard role. Atlanta looked to be rolling on all cylinders. I mean, oh, yeah. what was it? Maybe like uh, they got down to, uh, near the goal line with uh, you know 20 seconds left, and they just could not get into the end zone to win the game. Philadelphia coming up with the W there in, in a game that you actually might have expected to be what we saw from the um, Steelers-Jaguars game, a score, mm-hmm. a high-scoring game like that. But nonetheless, 15-10 the score there. We're going to see Philadelphia hosting the Vikings. Uh, but, man, all the games on Sunday, the Sunday games were just yeah. incredible, including the Jaguars uh, being able to upset. That has got to be the biggest upset that we've seen yeah. in a couple of years, right? Because I think a lot of people were betting on the Steelers to possibly go to the Super Bowl. Now the Jaguars have the opportunity to go in because they've shown. I mean, Pittsburgh put up 42. Mm-hmm. But let's not – let's. I mean, a lot of that, that, that scoring, too, was them, I think, letting Catching off up. the – Yeah, yeah, more or less. So um, – I think you have to like what the Jaguars are doing heading into the conference championships against the Patriots. Uh, that's definitely true. Now, look at the Jaguars. They're the only team to ever go into Heinz Field and beat the Steelers twice. Right. There's only been two other teams that have been able to do that, and the Jaguars did that this year. So that win early in the season that a lot of people kind of wrote off, that's a signature win for this team. Going back into Heinz Field and doing what they did. Um, tremendous, yep. tremendous, and it was balance. It was that defense clicking. They paid a lot of money for that defense in the offseason, yeah, and it came through in this contest, especially when you look at the stats, even with, like, Roethlisberger almost threw for 600 yards and had almost six touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But when you look at Jacksonville, you know, I know that they gave it, they gave up 42 points in this game. Yeah. I don't think but you're the, looking yards, at, the yards or the points necessarily Yeah, mean but you're looking at 42 did. points, and it's majority of that came in the third and fourth quarter. Right. I mean, they had to put up 21 in the fourth quarter to even make it a game. Yeah. And a lot of, I think what people would have said if you know, <laughs> if you look back and you go, Pittsburgh scored 42 points on set, or on Sunday, who do you think won that game? I think uh, maybe like 1% of people would have said Jacksonville, but they were able to pull that one off. And a lot of people calling Jacksonville's defense quite possibly an historic defense uh, that's kind of went under the radar. Some people are saying mm-hmm. this is one of the best defenses they've ever seen. So when you talk about being able to go against the Patriots, putting pressure on Tom Brady, kind yep. of um, you know shutting down uh, those those quick, short little passes, I think Jacksonville has an opportunity to do it. And this is why I love the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know what? I mean, if, if Jacksonville were to beat them, Jacksonville has my full support, man, because yeah. – just a couple of years ago, we were talking about Jacksonville, how we're talking about the Browns nowadays. Yep. They're the worst team. How are they ever going to figure this out? There's no, They're never going to get out of the gutter. And now they're a team in which I think we can both agree. I know a lot of people are saying, well, the Patriots are going to whoop them. But I don't necessarily think that because we no. just thought that with the Steelers and all of a sudden, you know, what, what, were, what were they up? They were up some crazy amounts uh, early on in the game where it seemed like they almost had the game put away. They were up 28-14, to 14, I guess, after the first half. Nobody mm-hmm. expected that to be the, sco- to be the case. Yeah. Somehow, Blake Borders continues his uh, somewhat 
pedestrian efforts at the quarterback <laughs> position, but it doesn't seem to be mattering for Jacksonville. No. Their defense is holding up. Their defense, and, they got um, Leonard Fournette. game is, is really kind of he, – he shined in that game. Yeah. Over 100 yards rushing, got a lot of catches as well. He really shined. Um, and if you look at it too, with like Jacksonville, one of the things they don't have right now is the luxury of their top receivers. Yep. Right. They got guys they're pulling off the streets. Yep, yep. And they're still they're killing it and they've got jobs for days and mm-hmm. it'll be really interesting to see how that team does moving forward after this year and what they do with all those top yeah, receivers. Yeah, cuz even like going into the in. game this past weekend where like the Patriots, you know, not really known for their run-stop defense and there was a lot of people who actually thought the Tennessee, especially with Derrick Henry, actually had a shot there, but they shut down Derrick Henry. Right, which was And the that big really thing. shut down the whole Tennessee team completely. Yeah, because they put up seven in the first couple of minutes, and all of a sudden they were dead until the very last, uh, mm-hmm. the very last couple of plays in the game. We look ahead to New Orleans and Minnesota, Jesse. I watched this entire game. Yeah, I got. I basically it was the first game I saw in about like a month and a half, and I watched the second half. It made me really sad. I was very sad. sad. Well, because you know, Drew Brees. Let's be honest, kind of knocking on retirement's door. Mm-hmm. Maybe has one or two years left. Who knows? Maybe this was. Maybe he'll retire after this year. I don't know. Um, a team that I don't think a lot of people thought would be there in that really, really tough division when you're talking about the Buccaneers who continue to trend upwards. I think yep. a lot of people are but waiting for them. this year the Buccaneers trend yeah, downwards they did. in I, a bad way. But I think a lot of people are expecting the Bucks to eventually be there, mm-hmm. be in the role that the Saints were in this year. Carolina with Cam Newton you always have to worry about. Atlanta was coming off that just defeating 28-3 loss to the Patriots. So I don't think a lot of people thought New Orleans would be in the position that they were in. Then they, they, they're, they're down big to Minnesota, mm-hmm. and they somehow make the comeback. Drew Brees looks phenomenal. Yep. Kamara had some great plays. Mm-hmm. Um, Ted like Ginn had some that, really that big touchdown plays. Kamara got in the fourth. Absolutely. Nice little back shoulder fade route. Like, there's not many running backs who can catch that pass. Absolutely. But then the Vikings come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Forbath kicks an amazing, like, 50-something yard field yep. goal to put him up with just whatever it was, like a minute left or a yeah, minute 30 but left. But enough time for Drew Brees to march his march team down. down there. And it was one of those things they had to pick up a critical fourth down play too. Yeah, and then you look at – and then Lutz hits another field goal. There's maybe 30 seconds left on the clock. Yep. Minnesota has one timeout left. You go, there is absolutely no yep. freaking way. That- they needed 40 yards, give or take, to even get an attempt at a game-time field goal at that point, a game-winning field goal. With no timeouts left, mm-hmm. I think they had maybe like eight seconds left on the clock. You yep. make one, you make a tackle inbounds, that game is over. Yes. That game, the game is, they had maybe one or two plays left, depending on what they did with the ball. Case Keenum tosses it up. There's two defenders in the mm-hmm. area of Stefan Diggs. You know, Keenum just threw it up. He's like, fuck it. Yeah, we're gonna see what happens. You know, people were sitting on their hands. Nobody was excited. I think yeah, they kept showing Drew Brees on the sideline. He wasn't even paying attention. I think, at, I think at one point, yeah. but right before the final play, Drew Brees was looking for uh, one of the surfaces. It's like yeah. he was going to look back at a previous play or something. Like, dude, you know, he's just he's doing everything he can not to focus on what's happening in the game because you know probably he was like, there's eight seconds left. They have they have no timeouts. There's absolutely no way that if there's a tackle in bounds, this this game's over. There's almost there's no mm-hmm. way they're going to get a field goal in this in this scenario. But I, I can't. I just can't watch. And rightfully so, he made the right decision not to watch because holy shit! Yeah. I'll, 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 you know, great play by the Vikings. The Saints shot themselves in the foot. But here's the thing, though. All right, so you get to watch that play over and over again at Ad Nauseam, and you watch it in real time. Right. You watch it in real time. There's you're like, how the hell did he miss that tackle? But then you watch it back. Matter of inches is what separated right. the Saints going to the championship game and the Vikings going to the championship right. game. It's just inches because as that defender was coming in, 
he slowed down and moved just a tad bit because even if you would hit Diggs before that ball would have got there, it's a 15-yard penalty from the spot of the foul. Right. And that puts him in field goal position. Right. And they're going to win that game no matter right. what. So you're, you're holding up. Diggs, God bless this guy. You know, like, I'm not even a Vikings fan, but this guy has been just absolutely phenomenal. Even, like, earlier in that game, like, Thien had a catch. Yeah. That was amazing that catch. Set up, that set up, that the set up that field goal. So these receivers really stepped up. And they made big plays in big situations because he had enough wherewithal. When he caught it, he spun, he stayed in bounds. Yeah. Let, let, and, and here's the crazy thing. There was no safety deep. Right. None whatsoever. And he saw that and he's like, I'm not stepping out. Yeah. I'm running. Yep. And that place just went absolutely bonkers. I think it just it just it's tough for me because you look at it from mm-hmm. the point of view of that Saint safety. Because basically what he did was he not only missed the tackle, he actually took out the cornerback that was yeah. in front of Diggs. So who he could have made the tackle? Could have possibly made a tackle because Diggs ran into the end zone with I, it was either one second left or barely any time left. Mm-hmm. If he is tackled at all inbounds, there is no way the Vikings yep. can run up, spike it, whatever. That would have been the end of the game. Yep. So you look at that taking out his, his defender. They couldn't make the tackle. I'm not trying to harp on the guy but you think about it and again I'm not a professional athlete mm-hmm. I don't know what's going through the when when this moment's happening this guy's probably just thinking make the hit make the tackle end the game do whatever you can it's not it's yeah. not thinking necessarily logically but you look at it and you wonder I'm seeing this ball come up and I, there's a defender in front and I'm in back mm-hmm. maybe I should just wait back he comes down with it I, I pull him back I, I do whatever I can in order to try to keep him you know Keep him inbounds. Keep him inbounds. Do whatever I can. Further. But you know that that's that's kind of what happened. But mm-hmm. I kind of the reason why it made me sad is I honestly kind of liken it to the Wrestle Kingdom main event where you had Naito and Okada, and it just felt right for Drew Brees to go on and win the game. They made this uh, insurmountable comeback. Drew Brees, not a down year, but not mm-hmm. the typical Drew Brees year you expect. You know, he's getting up there in age. He only has a couple of years left, and he kind of wanted to see one more run out of the guy. This felt like the year to do it. You know, you look at Minnesota, they they, they had him on the ropes. They had him beat. They had to make that one play. Going into Philadelphia, who a lot of people, not me necessarily, are considering to be a little worse off with with Nick Foles. The perfect opportunity for the Saints to possibly get to the Super Bowl this year. I think they had a pretty easy road if they would have won this game, and they just couldn't make the play that hap- that mattered. But you look at it for the Vikings too. They've been bad for so long that it is kind of nice to see. Them but in here's the even the crazy thing with the Vikings. You know, ever since Zimmer's got there, it's been expectation after expectation. They get they built that defense. That defense is legit. But they had Peterson go down one year, and then they had Bridgewater go down. You know, Bradford comes in. Bradford comes down. You know, like, you, you you drafted Cook this year, and he's looking like a stud. He goes down. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, and then you're on Case Keenum, who absolutely was atrocious in L.A. Yep. with the Rams. You have all these things just kind of fall. And the crazy thing is, like, football, no matter what, it's always a team sport. Yep. You've had this team step up at every challenge. Yep. And they made believers out of people who thought they were not yep. going to do it. And here they are, one game away from hosting a Super Bowl in their home stadium. You throw away that last touchdown pass, which kind of inflated Case Keenum's stats a little bit. Honestly, not a fantastic game, but no, by God, did that he Saints make some defense? That Saints defense yeah. has been legit all season. But but he made some huge plays when it really mattered, yeah. including the last play. Mm-hmm. But the plays before that to set up the field goal, you know, getting this team ahead early, so that while the Saints did come back, they at least had a lead to play off of. Mm-hmm. Is there any question in your mind that Case Keenum should not be the day one starter for the the Minnesota Vikings next season? Um, hmm, that's a good question because there has been talk, 
you know, Pat Shermer taking that job in Arizona. That they might try to bring Case Keenum. And take Case Keenum there. Mm. Um, It's always tough because the Vikings really – they have a very odd situation. All three quarterbacks on the roster are free agents after the season. Like, that doesn't happen. That absolutely does not happen. And a lot of the things – a lot of the reason why they probably did it that way was because they wanted to evaluate where Bridgewater was going to be injury-wise. Bridgewater gets an opportunity to come back this year. You know, was able to start, you know, playing the fourth quarter of a game down the stretch. Look good. Uh, Case Keenum, I don't know if they were expecting him to be where he's at. Um, I think with Bradford, they were expecting him to stay healthy. But he's not in that position, you know. And so, Case Keenum, in my opinion, has looked better than Bradford. Yeah, he looked a lot better throws. than Bradford did. Like, Escaping. Bradford Bradford was up or down, but, like, Bradford didn't have the mobility that yeah. Case Keenum does. That's, that's, that's not difference. really saying a lot, you know, yeah. but it's – this is the way it is. Um, sometimes it just takes a guy with a good head, of, you know, head and shoulders to actually really bring that team along. Case Keenum, you could put it out there that by the end of the offseason might be the hottest free agent quarterback acquisition that any team could make because more than likely Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get a long-term contract there in San Francisco. He's proved himself. Yep. Um, you're going to look at like like a guy like Kirk Cousins. It's going to be on that list. But I think with Kirk Cousins, though, like because he's got tagged with that franchise tag a few times, I think a lot of people are going to expect a lot of money going well, his way. Maybe a Nick Foles. A Nick Foles. Nick Foles could the, be there, depending on where the Eagles end up. But that's one of the things, though, too. It's like, do the Eagles really want to get rid of a guy like Foles? Well, I guess it depends on which situations open up. Is there mm-hmm. an opportunity to start somewhere for Nick yeah. Foles? You know, that time, we'll, we'll see. Because I think, you know, you look at, like a Jacksonville, for example. Mm-hmm. Blake Bortles has been great on the run. But man, he does he miss some just throws. The dude just misses some Bortles has got a Bortle. That's yeah. that's what he so does. You, you look know? at you look at maybe are they looking for a guy that can, you know, possibly not only play the role that Bortles is playing and, and being basically that quarterback with a really awesome defense and some good pieces around him, or mm-hmm. do they look at a guy that can possibly help them also win games opposed to just kind of being that uh middle level quarterback? Who knows? But Yeah, but just going back with the Case Keenum thing, if he goes to Arizona. That team's built very similar to the Vikings. Right. You know, good, good solid defense, defense. Young. Good young running game. You got a Hall of Fame receiver, first ballad, no doubt, and Larry mm-hmm. Fitzgerald there. Mm-hmm. That's a good landing spot. Right, yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to see where uh, things go moving forward. So we have a new Final Four for the NFL. Jesse, what mm-hmm. are your picks? My picks, you know, it is hard to ever bet against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, especially the AFC Championship game. Uh-huh. Um, there, there's something special about that team, but with everything that's kind of going around with the franchise right now, the uh, the the mist of rumors and innuendos and all the jazz, um, and the way that Jacksonville is playing, this is a team that has nothing to lose. Right. They are playing with house money at this point in time. For them, they're just going to be like, guys, we went into Heinz Field and we beat the Steelers twice. Yep. Who's to say we can't go up to Foxborough yep. and beat the Patriots in the biggest game in our franchise's history? Because that's exactly what this game is. It's the biggest game in that franchise. It really history. is. Bar none. Bar fucking none. And you know guys like Fournette, Cleus Campbell. You know, like that whole team is going to step up. Um, Man, that's going to be a fun game to watch. And I'm glad it's going to be that first game too. Yeah. Because, man, it's going to be one of those – you're going to breathe a lot easier no matter what happens. And you're going to see what's going to happen in the NFC Championship game. I mean, this is going to be a really fun, fun championship weekend coming up here on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I do think, you know, as a Patriots fan, 
I think this is a trap game. I really yep. like Jacksonville here. I really, really like Jacksonville they're young, a lot. They're yeah. hungry. Yep, they're hungry um, the to, to get the W there. On the NFC side, man, I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. This always happens every year where there's a matchup, and I just find it – I just I, – I don't – I find it kind of boring. The the champ. <laughs> you the talked up Foles and the Eagles, and then all of a sudden, like you just fi- you find it boring. I do. I don't. I don't really have. I'm not. I don't feel invested in either team. Um, I think you got to go. I think you're gonna go uh, Philadelphia here. I really do. I think Philadelphia has proven that they were the one seed for a reason. That I don't think Carson Wentz was the reason why they were the one seed. I think they have a lot of really good pieces and really good spots. I think Philly goes to the Super Bowl this year, and we get uh, Philly and Jacksonville, which I don't know how many people are going to buy that, <laughs> buy into that. Listen, but uh, you know, it's the Super Bowl. So. Every person in the greater Philadelphia area will be watching that game. Yep. Every person in Jacksonville will be watching that game. Yep. As simple as that. Yep. Imagine what would happen if you get. The Minnesota Vikings and New England Patriots. What do you want me to imagine? I don't know. Just imagine that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a possibility here. Yeah. I think that's a real possibility. Would it be the first time that a team has ever hosted the Super yes. Bowl? Wow. Yeah. So they were crazy. talking about that at um, Wingo and Go like this morning. Exactly what it would be like. Because they they alternate between the NFC and the AFC being the home team. Mm-hmm. This year it's supposed to be the AFC being the home team. So if that was the case, then, you know, the NFC team would have to, you know, practice would be at the UM up there. They would have to stay in a hotel, all that jazz, unless the Vikings win, because that's a clause. If the home team is hosting, mm. then they can, they, can, they can dress in their own locker room. They can do this. They can do that. Now, do, now if it is for the Super Bowl, do they mm-hmm. make – does the state or is it like literally a home game, or does the stadium put some tickets aside so to make sure that's somewhat fifty um, fifty? I think it, everything gets kind of they put tickets aside because tickets are already on sale for the Super Bowl as it was. Oh, that's true. Um, I think they do give season ticket holders an opportunity to buy tickets as well. Um, yeah, it's gonna be the hottest if if the Vikings get to the Super Bowl, that will be bar none the hottest ticket ever sold in Minnesota. Yeah, bar none. Yeah, bar none, Absolutely. and that's including. Eventual WrestleMania. Ooh-wee. Yeah. Ooh-wee. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, mm-hmm. uh, that does it for Grapple Talk this week. Great discussions this week, man. Oh, definitely. So if you want to keep up with the Grapple Talks, make sure you uh, subscribe to us on the iTunes, the Grapple Talk Network. You'll get access to all of our podcasts there, including the four other really good ones that are way better than this one. Yeah, we got Deach and Dash. Uh, Jordy Lee hasn't had one out for a while, but you know, whenever he ha- is able to get those interviews, they're always great. He's been great. dashing it lately. Yeah, they're uh, great interviews. Um, he always keeps it real conversational. It's always fun. If you haven't tuned into that yet, I, mm-hmm. I definitely suggest going back and listening to some of those but who are we kidding if you are listening to this most likely you listen to the other ones um we got regular guy gaming in which uh maru uh regular guy rgg uh does interviews with people talks about video games i put my two cents in there so if that's Mm -hmm. something that you're into that's always a fun podcast the riley factor uh a new uh kind of style in which a new uh, format if you will a new uh, format uh, which ac riley kind of talks a little bit about uh you know shows he he kind of highlights shows that he was at 
Um, kind of goes over the cards, a review more or less. Uh, and I know that we're doing one in RCCW that will release either before this podcast or shortly thereafter. And then obviously the the most popular podcast that we have nowadays, the Ross Family Matters podcast, a great format. It's just a couple of dudes that really enjoy each other's company uh, that discuss uh, topics out of a hat. It can be literally anything. A lot of times it is wrestling related, but sometimes it is not. It's about t- television. It's about pop culture. It's about things happening in years past and things happening to day it's always a really fun listen and then of course you have the grapple talk flagship which uh will be brought to you on a weekly basis now because we have our schedules figured out so we'll continue to bring you the latest and greatest that is uh wrestling and then some other topics outside of wrestling that aren't covered on any of the other podcasts so um the grapple talk network on itunes the grapple talk network the grapple talk on facebook and twitter and then also don't forget to uh find us on podbean because i have noticed uh in editing and putting up some of the shows that our podbean page has been gaining quite a bit of followers lately so yeah which is a good thing you know the podbean is very easy if uh you don't have access to the itunes and you're at work and you have a computer it's pretty easy you dial it up in the google machine and you can sit there and you can listen to it indiscreetly yeah and your boss will never know what you're doing unlike right. your porn habit at work you know oh your God. boss would definitely know about that yeah yeah until net neutrality happens and then you won't be able to to watch all the porn <sighs> that you want you know you just have to pay for it again you yeah. know pay for the porn pay for the porn that's the way it was nick Back in the day, you had to pay for it. Yeah, you had to pay for it. You didn't get free porn. You know, Nick. Back in the day, they had this thing called a porn shop, where you would have to go, and buy porn. Like a like a legit physical porn shop. Yeah, like uh, like almost like a coffee shop, if you will. You went in. You go in there, say hi to a few fellows. Yeah, some other creeps. Other creeps, you know, and uh, (laughs) you you go through dusty boxes to find the one that you want to check out. It'd be overpriced, just like every other thing, you know. I know you're joking right now, but is this a real experience for you? This, yeah. <laughs> this is a very real experience, Dick. You know, come on, man. I'm a few years older than you, and, like, things changed. Yeah. In the course of, like, five years, things changed from when you discovered pornography to probably when I discovered pornography. Yeah, man. I used to uh, have the nice little 15-second uh, quick-time videos. Yeah. And now you can get full-length yeah. porn. Is this even appropriate to talk about? I don't know. Well, hit us up on, on Twitter if this is actually appropriate enough for us to yeah, talk Yeah, we'll put about. a poll up. We'll put a poll up. Yeah, definitely. Do you remember old porn shops? Yeah. I mean, they still got the sex toy shops. You know, they got um, a few of those in the I would assume everyone on the Ross Family podcast actually remembers the old school porn shops. Ooh, topic for the hat, I think. Maybe we should try to try to see if we can get that one yeah, in there. Yeah, definitely. We could definitely rig that. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I'd love to hear Scott Williams uh, talk for 10 minutes about yeah, the Let me tell you about shops. the time I went to this porn <laughs> shop in 19, 1986. I was 18. Um, it was a good year for porn, you know. It's it a good year. That's the yeah, that's, year. that's when uh, Jason Steele first kind of made his appearance. Uh, yeah, his he was a steel-driving man, they would yeah, call him. He was like John great. Henry. I would really enjoy that. That'd be a fun He took listen. on a fuck machine. Okay, now you're just, now you're just getting. Laying the pipe. You're still going with it. Yeah, you're still yeah, having it. Laid the pipe really good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, cool. So uh, that's it for this week on Grapple Talk, the flagship. Uh, We'll catch you guys next week right here on the Grapple Talk Network. For Jesse Von Rudin, I'm Nick Ragnar. Stay classy, everyone, and have a safe 2018.